Sometimes the best way to predict the future is to look at the past. Who have the Twins been linked to, interested in, offered in the past among this free agent class? And Twins agree to terms with Kyle Garlic. Roster implications, payroll implications. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Monday, November 14th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker. Three seasons hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins. Four seasons writing about the Twins at twinsdaily.com. Who have the Twins been linked to, interested in, offered in the past? And what can that tell us about the upcoming free agent class? This is an exercise. This is by no means uh, a solid like predictor of who they might be interested in. And plus, teams are interested in a lot of players. We hear that the Twins are interested in this guy and they never offer him or there's a preliminary call. Like, what does interest really mean? I've compiled a list of players and it's a it's a short list because we've heard about more than just these guys who are free agents the Twins have been interested in. But I know that they were interested in these guys and I think almost all of them have been offered by the Twins in past off-seasons. So we're going to take that information and use it to try to predict who they may target this time around. It's it's just an exercise. It's just an exercise. And the Twins today came to terms, avoided arbitration with Kyle Garlic, who's in his first year of arbitration, and he was projected to make $1.1 million. They came to a deal for $750,000, and in the new CBA, these salaries are guaranteed. So it's interesting what it could possibly mean for the roster and what I think this means for the outfield in 2023. We'll get to that as well today. Who have the Twins been linked to in prior off-seasons among this free agent group? Again, this is a a compiled list that I'm like certain that they were interested in and in most cases offered these players, okay? So bear with me here. Carlos Correa, shocker. Carlos Correa, and we know again that they're interested in Carlos Correa. This offseason, that's they're interested again. We know that. Uh, will they offer Carlos Correa? Yes, they will offer Carlos Correa. That's not the question. The question is, what's the offer? Is it even close to good enough? And the likely answer is going to be no. But what I will say about Correa's market is, I do think it's going to be smaller than he and Scott Boris expect again this offseason because I just don't. I don't think the clear big market suitors are going to be in on him. There's some Dodgers buzz. I don't see it because of 2017. Yankees, it's not going to happen with the Yankees. It would have happened last year, I think, for them. And they're focused on Aaron Judge. You know, they're trying to get Aaron Judge back. Now, if Judge goes to the Giants, maybe that opens up a lane for the Yankees. But I would argue that if you want the Twins to retain Carlos Correa this offseason, A, cheer for them to step up with a huge offer. They should do that. But we know that's that's unlikely to happen. B, Judge goes to the Giants. The Yankees don't want Correa or aren't unwilling to pay that amount for Carlos Correa. 
And the Giants are no longer in on the Correa sweepstakes because they signed Judge to a $350 million deal. The Braves re-signed Dansby Swanson. The Red Sox re-signed Xander Bogarts. The Dodgers re-signed Trey Turner, or they're shuffling in there. Maybe Bogarts goes to the Dodgers. Trey goes to Boston. Whatever happens. And then the Cubs decide, we don't want to give a long-term deal to Carlos Correa. And the Phillies go after maybe it's Turner or maybe it's Bogarts or maybe it's there's it's a musical chairs and and a couple of teams including the twins are on the outside looking in because they're not the Dodgers because they're not the incumbents of these players but I do think we're at the point and I'm reading this market and this is similar to how I think the twins are hoping it goes maybe it won't all it takes is one offer but I, I just don't think there's going to be like a bunch of teams vying for Carlos Correa this offseason. It may appear that way, and it may end up being that. I just don't think it's going to happen that way. I think there's musical chairs. I think there's going to be a couple of teams at the end. I think he's going to wait a long time to sign, and the Twins will still be in it at the end. That's my opinion of the situation, but I could be dead wrong. I mean, he could sign tomorrow with the Dodgers, and I'm laughing at myself. That's just how I view it. So Carlos Correa, we know past interest in Carlos Correa. Now, last offseason, interest in these starting pitchers, and I believe they offered each of them. I don't want to be on the record saying that, but I, I believe they offered each of them. Corey Kluber, Zach Greinke, Andrew Heaney, Carlos Rodon. I'm less sure on Rodon. I'm almost certain they offered Heaney, but I know there was interest in Kluber, Greinke, Rodon, and Heaney on the starting pitching market. All of those players are free agents once again. And on Carlos Rodon, there was interest again at the trade deadline. They were working to try to get him and Tyler Malley at the trade deadline. And Rodon would have been an impending free agent. Maybe that gave them the inside track to an extension. But I think looking back, it's probably a good thing they didn't trade more prospects for Carlos Rodon. Those are the pitchers I would watch based on the past. It would be Cranky, uh, Rich Hill as well is in that group. I think they were interested again beyond when Rich Hill pitched for the Twins. Like they were interested in bringing him back again. So Kluber, Greinke, Hill, Heaney, Rodon. That's a pitching group to watch. And a lot of these names other than Rodon are not very exciting. But that's, you know, Corey Kluber, these these starters who are likely to sign one-year deals and, and eat some innings up for the Twins. Kluber, Greinke, Hill, Heaney, and then obviously at the top end, Carlos Rodon. There were rumblings that before Carlos Correa signed with the Twins last offseason, coming out of the lockout, that Elvis Andrus could have been a target for them in trade with Oakland. Elvis Andrus is now a free agent. He's never played another position but short in his entire career, and it's a clear fit. We've we've already gone over Elvis Andrus. We'll go deeper on Elvis Andrus, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. But he's clearly a fit for this team, you know, and, and I think, unfortunately, if the, when, if slash when they miss out on Correa and Bogarts and Swanson and, and the whole, and Turner and the whole free agent class at the top, it's going to be Andrus. It's going to be Jose Iglesias. It's going to be Didi Gregorius. But clearly, Andrus is the best of that group to me. Defensively, offensively, I think he's the best shortstop of that second tier group, which makes him a clear fit for the twins. And there were those rumblings that he might've been their starting shortstop last year. If not for Scott Boris, making a little phone call to Minnesota, I got Carlos Correa for you. What do you think? Kyle garlic is coming back for 750,000. How does this impact the outfield, the roster, the payroll? It's all coming up after the sword from betonline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. 
From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. It's not just football. I know football is so fun to play Sunday, Monday, every day, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. All these games, there's so many games to play in the NFL and in college football too on Saturdays, but it's not just football at BetOnline.net. There's basketball, there's soccer, there's esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net, and now they're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. Head over to BetOnline. It is where the game starts. Twins offer Cal Garlic $750,000, and they come to agreement on $750,000 for the 2023 season. This is interesting to me because Garlic I overlooked when I went over arbitration, and this is this is happening this week. He's due for arbitration. He's in his first year, so he's had those first three years of pre-arb, and now he's in the arbitration process for three years. This is his first year, and MLB Trade Rumors had him pegged at $1.1 million via ARB. So this is under that number. $750,000 is, is under a million, $1.1 what I know, and it's 750000 is nothing. Like that's, so, even for the twins, that's so little. It's less than a million dollars. So I don't want to read too much into this because, yes, they're going to owe him 750000 but that doesn't mean, you know, he's going to automatically make the opening day roster. It doesn't mean that he's their fourth outfielder. It doesn't mean that, you know, he's their right-handed bat that they're going to they're gonna have on the bench. It could mean that he is. And Kyle Garlick, in his career, we know. Good against lefties. You know, hit 252 in his career against lefties, slugging 538 for an OPS at 839, 23 extra base hits in 186 plate appearances. Solid against left-handed pitching. He can really hit lefties. He hit Shane McClanahan last year for two home runs. We've seen what the garlic, the garlic sauce can do. I'm hoping for a much better right-handed bat acquisition, whether that's Correa or Abreu or Turner or Bogart or whoever. But Kyle Garlic is coming back. For seven hundred and fifty thousand, where this is most intriguing to me is less on the roster front because I don't think it guarantees anything. I don't think you know that that means garlic's on the team on opening day. But what I will say about this is that the payroll is going to shift this week, and I think you're going to see Emilio Pagan non-tendered, which will free up about four million from the payroll. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Fangraphs has the Twins right now at about a hundred million dollar payroll, one hundred million dollars in payroll last year. They finished at 142 million. So if they keep the the current roster, everybody gets paid in arbitration, including Gio Urshela. Everybody gets their money in arb. They would they would have about 41 million, 40 million to spend to get back to last year's payroll. That's a good amount, but I think they're going to open up more for themselves. And I think what's going to happen is Gio Urshela is either going to be non-tendered or traded. And I don't think there should be surprise if and when that happens. Now I think they're going to offer him arb, and I think he's going to you know, be on the team this time next week, but I think eventually they will trade him. That's that's my prediction for Gio Urshela. 9.2 million Gio Urshela's due. Jose Miranda is a third baseman in the minors. He was a third baseman, and I think they are they're planning to have Jose Miranda play third base next year. Could be wrong again, but that's what I think is the plan. So that is going to free up 9.2 million in some way. And then Emilio Pagan to me is a clear non-tender candidate. So that in and of itself is about $13 million cleared from the payroll, which would bring it down to $87 million. And to get to last year's levels, they would have to spend 55 to $60 million 
in free agency and via trade, which is a lot to spend in an offseason, 55 to 60 million. And that's not including the potential trade of Max Kepler. Now imagine they trade Max Kepler and get his money off eight and a half million. That's another eight and a half million off the books. This was my prediction, and it, it may not happen exactly this way, and it likely won't, but I think they're going to to pull up the couch cushions and get all their money into this pile. And I think it's going to be Kepler. I think it's going to be Urshela. I think it's going to be Pagan because that is 20 plus million dollars you can spend elsewhere. That's like an all-star level player on an average annual value basis that you can just free up. And Gio's a good player. You know, Gio's a good player. So that's a tough decision. Max Kepler, still a very good defender. And you're giving up some by having Trevor Larnick or Matt Walner in right field. That's not like the easiest decision, and you have to find a trade partner and spend time and effort, you know, with that. While you could be signing free agents or, or, or you know, planting seeds, and then Emilio Pagan is like, there's no way I'm paying Emilio Pagan close to four million dollars to pitch for the Twins in 2023, and I think they'll come to that conclusion as well. Maybe not. Maybe they liked how he finished the year. They love his stuff clearly, or else he wouldn't have pitched as much as he did in high leverage spots. But Kepler or Shella Pagan. To me, I think that money is going to be cleared, and I think they're going to have 60, 65 million to spend to just get back to their payroll from last year. If you're talking about a bump, if if the Twins have 150 million to spend from ownership, and this is self-imposed, but if they were given a 150 million dollar mandate, you can spend 150 million, not a penny more, and they cleared Urshela, Pagan, and Kepler off the books. You're talking about 20 million off. That would be 80 million committed. They would have 70 million to spend in free agency and via trade, almost as much as they have committed to the roster at that point for 2023. You could say you could double what you have right now via free agency, via trade, if you want to add salary in a deal. That's what I think is going to happen because I think they view Kepler as expendable at eight and a half million. I think they view Gio Urshela as expendable because they have Jose Miranda at 9.2 million for Gio. And I think they definitely view Emilio Pagan, or they should view Emilio Pagan as expendable. That's my opinion. What I think they should do, I would be fine with Gio coming back. Uh, I would be okay with Kepler coming back, although I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, and I would prefer it not to. So absolutely, you need to clear at least you know, 12 and a half, 13 million off with Kepler and Pagan, in my opinion, uh, to get some of that money back to spend in free agency and via trade. Geo's tough. I mean, that's a tough call, but it's it's exciting to think about what they could do with an extra nine. They haven't invested that money well, though, in recent off seasons. So that's why I'm more hesitant. If I was more trustworthy and I was like had faith in this front office to spend that money right and spend it well and invest it in a good good place, I would be more encouraged by non-tendering or trading Gio Urshela. But because I don't trust them, I would rather have maybe Gio Urshela than the nine million for them to spend, you know, on somebody else and some other deal. You know, one year nine million to Andrelton Simmons is I think he got nine million. I think he got more than that. I think he got eleven or twelve million. So you get my point. Like they've spent that money in ugly ways in recent off seasons. Not all the time, but sometimes and most of the time on the pitching front, especially in really, really ugly ways. It's it's a tough call on Geo. I don't think it's as tough of a call to trade Max Kepler and try to find a trade partner for him nor is it a tough call to non-tender Emilio Pagan. Money's going to be freed up. They're going to have more money to spend than they do today because that money will be freed up. I think those three will be will be gone. Um, Urshela, Kepler, and Pagan. 
I do. I think they're going to lean toward Miranda playing third, and they're going to see that salary for Gio, and they're going to say, let's try to get as much as we can to to have a big-time offseason. And maybe that's the best thing for the team right now. I don't think it's going to be a popular decision. I wouldn't be surprised. I would say it's 60-40 right now that Gio Rochelle is not on the opening day roster next year. I, I 60% chance he's not. So 40 still that he is, and, and I would honestly – perhaps even side with the 40 that he should be I, do, knowing this front office, knowing how they operate, knowing how they've operated in past seasons. They like to cut. They don't like to spend too much around the margins. They've never liked to do that. I don't think. And I think that's the case with Gio Urshela. They, they would maybe like Gio Urshela at six or 7 million. They probably don't want him at 9 million. It's not a big difference, but this is around the margins, winning around the margins. That's kind of how they operate and how this front office has worked in prior off seasons. I'm so intrigued to see what happens. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens at third base. Not excited, but interested to see what happens at third base. Because if we if that does happen, where the Twins non-tender Gio Urshela, which means he's a free agent for anybody, or they waive him, put him on waivers and say anybody can have him for $9 million. That's what they did with Eddie Rosario in his final year of arbitration. I think he was due around the same, like 9 to $12 million or something like that. Twins waived him which is a respect move to say, okay, Eddie, we're not going to pay you this in arbitration, but we're going to put you on waivers. And if another team wants to pay you 10, 11, whatever it was, million dollars, they can pick you up. Nobody picked him up. So the twins non-tendered Eddie and he became a free agent. If they waived Gio Urshela, would he be claimed? Probably. You'd be surprised. I don't think he'd be like teams would be jumping to get him. But would he be claimed? Probably. And if he's not, then you non-tender him. If you waive Eddie Rosario and nobody picks him up for his arbitration figure, no team is going to trade you anything of value for him at his arbitration figure. Same goes for Gio Urshela. I think he has positive trade value. I don't think it's it's a B-level prospect even. I think it's like a Ronnie Henriquez type you could potentially get. And that's not terrible. Like If you can get Ronnie Henriquez for Gio Urshela, great. You know, do it. Why not? But other the, the alternative is you just keep him, right? You just keep him to play third base. Miranda gets a year to watch him at third base to, to kind of work under his tutelage and back up third base and play first and DH and fill in when when Gio needs days off and when he has when he's on the injured list or whatever. Maybe that's the better thing for the team in 2023. If I know at the end of the offseason that Carlos Correa is on this roster and Carlos Rodon's on this roster and Mitch Hanniger's on this roster and they they really loaded up. I can live with Gio Urshela not being on the team. If the Twins come out of this offseason with Mike Clevenger, Elvis Andrews, and you know a middle-tier reliever, I'm going to say, why did you need that $9 million to non-tender Gio Urshela, right? I, I think at this point, it makes more sense to have him on the team than not. And it would be a gamble and a risk to trust Jose Miranda with third base. What if he's awful? Like, what if he's terrible at third? I don't think he would be, but what if he was? What's your backup plan? If you keep Gio Urshela, Miranda's your backup plan for an injury or ineffectiveness or days off or anything. Miranda's then your backup plan. Or Gio Urshela could be your backup plan, but he's not going to be a backup plan for $9 million. And that's the point. It's either... We pay $9 million to Gio Urshela to be our starting third baseman, or he's not on the team. He's not going to fill a utility role. He's not going to be a backup third baseman for $9 bucks. It's not going to happen that way. And that's that's the question that they're facing this week because the non-tender deadline is Friday. So they have to tender by Friday if they want to keep Gio Urshela. 
at around $9 million. It's a tough call. 60-40 in either direction, I think I see it. Maybe even 55-45 in either direction. It's It's gone this way based on what Derek Falvey has said and like what he's kind of hinted at, which is there, he said the best version, the healthiest version of this team, not best, the healthiest version of this team has Jose Miranda getting most of the time, most of his time at third base. That quote alone to me tells me that they're not planning for Gio Urshela to be the third baseman in 2023. So don't be surprised, and we'll analyze it, of course, if it happens this way. But don't be surprised if by Friday, Gio Urshela is a free agent, or by Friday, Gio Urshela is traded uh, to another to another team. Don't be surprised, because it sounds like the plan might be to have Jose Miranda as the team's everyday third baseman in 2023, which I don't think is a terrible call for them. And I think to get that money and to to get as much money as you can here to spend is not a bad thing either. I would lean toward keeping GL, but I don't think the alternative is some terrible choice either. I think there's there's logic on both sides, which makes this one of their more, more difficult decisions. So looking one more time at this payroll, they are currently at $100 million. They can free 9.2 by non-tendering GL or trading him. They can free another 3.7, call it four, to get rid of Emilio Pagan by non-tendering or trading him. And then they can get rid of eight and a half million by trading Max Kepler. They don't have that same flexibility with Kepler to just non-tender him and choose whether they want the salary. Someone's got to take on that salary or at least a portion of it via trade. So they have a choice on Urshela and Pagan. They can have Emilio Pagan or they can have $3.7 million. They can have Gio Urshela or they can have about $9 million. And these figures aren't certain these are projections that are often very close by MLB trade rumors. So 9.2 for Gio, I guarantee he's going to sign for something around $9 million if he does get tendered a contract. If he's non-tendered, he's a free agent. He can sign with anybody. Could be the Twins, but once you non-tender somebody like with Eddie Rosario, you're making the conscious choice that they're not your guy, like you're not bringing them back. And in the Twins' case, their only argument for non-tendering Gio or Shella, in my opinion, is because they have Jose Miranda filling that hole at the league minimum, and they're going to use that money to go get Carlos Correa. It's a self-imposed payroll. They could keep Urshela, sign Correa, sign Rodon, do whatever they want for $200 million. That's not how they operate, and that's not how I'm going to analyze it because I know I know their restraints, their self-imposed restraints, and it's not going to allow them to go get all those guys and keep Urshela and keep Kepler and keep all these, all these contracts on the books if they want to do that. So I'm interested. I'm intrigued by this. And Kyle Garlick coming back, I wouldn't read too much into it. It doesn't really guarantee anything. I think they just want to, if they decide and if the offseason goes in the way that they don't get another right-handed bat as a fourth outfielder and they invested more in in a short or in the rotation or in the bullpen, they don't want to be left out in the cold with some random waiver wire right-handed bat you know, filling in that role to crush lefties. Kyle Garlick was once a waiver wire right-handed bat to fill in that role crushing lefties, but he's proven he can do it at the major league level. So they want to make sure if they decide you know, at the end of the year, at the end of the offseason, we didn't we didn't get you know Mitch Haniger, we didn't get Teoscar Hernandez in trade, we didn't get uh, Jose Abreu, you know, we didn't get who we wanted from the right side in the outfield more specifically. So Abreu is not a part of that, but more so in the outfield, we didn't invest in that particularly. We want Kyle Garlick to come back, and we want him to fill that role for seven hundred and fifty thousand. If they do sign a Hanniger, they do trade for Teoscar Hernandez, they do get Adam Duvall, whatever they do from the right side in free agency or in trade, then they can say, "All right, that's fine." You know, Kyle Garlick, we can pay him seven hundred and fifty thousand. He's got options, so 
I believe he can be sent back to AAA on that contract as well. I have to look into that a little bit more, but I just wouldn't read into it too much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Locked On Twins. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every single day. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. And as always, go Twins.